Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the Heroes Podcast Network. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Red Shirts and Runabouts. This is Derek. We have a unique episode for you this week. Last weekend, Greg and I were at Planet Comic Con in Kansas City, and we hosted a panel with uh, the goal to create the ultimate Star Trek crew, and we did this with the audience at our panel, and the audio quality is pretty good, so we thought we would share that with everybody who listens to our show here, so we hope you enjoy it. Uh, There are some parts where we might be listening to what someone's saying, you might not quite be able to hear them, but we do recap everything people say if you're not able to hear it. And I just think you might find it interesting who ends up being in our ultimate Star Trek crew. Uh, We will be back next week for a double feature of our Star Trek Discovery reviews that will also include Perpetual Infinity. So join us for that, or you can just, you know, skip ahead and, and wait for that one if this is not your cup of tea. All right. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. Welcome. I'm Derek. Hi. I'm Greg, and I'm a Star Trek addict. (laughs) Greg, this is an intervention. It's not actually a panel. Okay. Not actually a panel? This is a safe space. Yeah, the Star Wars groups. This isn't an intervention. We are Red Shirts and Runabouts. We are a podcast from the Heroes Podcast Network here in Kansas City. Greg and I uh, talk Trek every week. So we've been uh, reviewing Discovery Season 2. Any Discovery fans? Okay. See, this is important because the the last time I gave this panel, there was one in the room who had watched Discovery at all. So the thing, it was slanted a bit because we couldn't really talk about those characters. So I still haven't finished the most recent episode because we've been working Planet Comic Con. So. Yeah. No, yeah. So we'll, we'll do our best. We'll do our best. That, that there might be a, a couple things in here that might be a little spoiler-ish, I guess. But we can uh, we can kick things off. Uh, this is actually being recorded as an episode for the show, so we'll have a bonus episode. Yeah, Mike, I'm watching you. So so here's the goal. The goal is to discuss uh, the various kind of bridge officer type roles on a standard Star Trek ship. Um, slanted towards the Enterprise, I suppose, because that's a little bit easier. And uh, we want your input as well. Now, there is not a microphone to pass around to people. So if you do have something you'd like to say, 
I've got this mic that I brought here. It's not super long. It probably reaches the projector stand, but if you want to come and grab it and say what you, you want to say, you could even line up over there if you'd like to. I, I want this to be engaging, pun not intended. So, okay. Come on, that was that was absolutely intended. What other word do you use? Interactive. Uh, okay. <laughs> no, you can just you know, current executing. There you go. Executing sounds really intense. It does sound really intense. You know. By the way, do we have anybody in here that's actually listened to our podcast? Oh yeah, Eric. I know you have. Oh, okay. Blair has. Hi. How much cool. have you listened to Blair? Wow, just a few. Okay. I'm the critical one on the podcast. By the way, I'm the guy that I I, I have a firm believer that you can love something and still criticize it. Does that make any sense? Like I'm a I'm a huge huge Game of Thrones fan. Like from the books and the show, but at the same time, I will rag on Game of Thrones as much as like anybody out there because I'm like, why'd they make that decision? I'm like, why instead of watching a battle for 10 minutes, why are we watching Tyrion talk for 10 minutes? I love Tyrion, but I'm like, really? And so sometimes I'm critical of Discovery and I get somebody angry tweeting me. Like, you hate humans. I'm like, I don't hate people. I just, I do not. I love people. I have three cats. How can I hate people? Because <laughs> I have cats. Okay, I walked into that one. <laughs> All right, so some of these are going to take longer to discuss than others because some have more choices than others. So we're going to kick things off kind of easy with our counselor because there's really only been two official counselors on any of our major starships. Um, Greg, who, who would you have on your ship? I mean, we have more content with Deanna Troy as counselor, so she kind of wins with the content card. I would say Esri Dax had a lot of impact on the crew in her short time, if you count her. Because when she's Esri Dax, she's also like half Jadzia Dax, and she's like a little bit of this and a little bit of that. If we're talking specifically counselor, I think I kind of have to go with Deanna Troy, mainly because I loved her freak out when she saw the uh, hollow simulations with Barkley. <laughs> And I that's think that's true. what I think that's what a real person would do. She would react like that, and then she would come back down to earth. I kind of, I kind of, I'm that guy on the on the show. I love it when people act like people. I don't act it. I don't like it when humans act like robots. Like if Data acts like an android, I'm like I get it. But when people act like they have no emotions, and Troy is just full of emotions all the time, I kind of like that. You don't think Ezri is? Ezri is full of emotions, but I think she's also more grounded. Because every so often she drops that line, well, when my time is Curzon, I'm like, that's not... Like, if Deanna Troy had, like, three lifetimes to live off of, or eight lifetimes... So I think that's why I like Ezri, though, because she does have eight lifetimes. And, you know, lots of different experiences, different roles, different time frames. You know, one was a criminal. One, <laughs> so. one, one was a criminal. <laughs> Too inexperienced? That's interesting. Too young? Okay. And in defense of Deep Space Nine, I believe Terry Farrell's even done interviews that she left the show to go kind of explore other options, and she somewhat regretted leaving Deep Space Nine because she find, she was like um, Leonard Nimoy from way back when. She's like, I hate being Jadzia Dax. And then she got a little bit older, and she's like, I really like being Jadzia Dax, and I regret leaving. So much so that she married a Nimoy. She did marry so, a Nimoy. Uh, and she is one of the most prolific Terry Farrell. If you have any of you have been to a Trek convention... She is one of the most active actresses at those conventions when it comes to speaking. But talking about counselors. So yeah, so we're divided. All right, so we have Ezri, maybe a little too inexperienced, too young. Anybody else have an opinion out there? 
Ezri's youth makes her a little more fun. I, I mean, for me, it means that she might be around a little bit longer. What's up? Counselor Troy has superpowers. She wins. Because she's empathic? Exactly. When it's convenient? Exactly. To the story? Yeah. <laughs> yeah when, when it doesn't actually help. <laughs> That's a good point, though. Ezri is not empathic. Eric, we got another one up. Okay. So yeah, the argu- so the argument here for those listening in is why is there a counselor on the bridge? And I agree with you, but she was on the bridge, so we're trying not to leave anyone out. <laughs> I, I, I got to give you credit because you remember there was a few episodes where she has that weird office that you never really see often. But then there's what was it season seven when she became a full commander and like outranked Data, and everybody had that question like, all right, Data's been in Starfleet for like thirty years. And remember, that they're like, oh, he's got like two legions of valor. I'm like, how is he still a lieutenant commander? Well, they have a whole episode about how people yeah. don't want to take orders from an android, though. So it was discrimination is what it was. I think if he just picks somebody up and snaps them, I think they would listen to him. Yeah. I, you know, it's Terminator time. Back there. That's a good point. So the the comment there is that she's being on the bridge. She can help you know Picard or whoever with whoever they're interacting with on the view screen because she can you know sense what they're are they lying are they? Well, so I guess so maybe maybe we need to be more specific then. If we only want this person to be a counselor, who would be the better counselor? Yes. The who? Guinan. Guinan. Sorry. Well, right. So, well, okay. That's that's absolutely fair. This, you know, we can have a a, a spoiler the bar, wild card. The bartender. Option. Well, we we do have a not we do have a weird wild card option, yeah. but we'll get to that one. But we don't have a bartender. Well, that's a good one though. Yes. So Ezri was a little more proactive, maybe? A little more proactive? Okay. No one's really questioning her her position. So let's let's take your comment and then we'll do a vote and move on. Ezri is more relatable. Yeah, I agree with that. Ezri being a little easier to talk to, more relatable. So let's do a vote. Who would want Deanna Troy? Who would want Ezri? Okay, so Deanna Troy is going to move on. Guinan. Okay, uh, third vote. How many people would pick Guinan? <laughs> well, Deanna still wins, but yeah, that's fair. All right, so then we have our communications officers. For those who don't watch Discovery, um, Bryce has not had a huge role, but he is on the bridge all the time. Um, So we, of course, have Uhura and Hoshi as well as our comms officers. That role was kind of absorbed in the other shows by other characters who will also be in other positions on this list, which is why it's just these three. So um, anybody want to throw out a reason for 
Uhura, yes. Oh, go ahead. Hoshi's language skills are very impressive. Invented the universal translator in the back. Uhura is the original woman badass on TV. Yes, that is true. Definitely true. I'm gonna be the, I'm gonna be that guy. It. How many? Are there any heavy objects in the room? Uh, Abrams Universe Uhura. Specifically, Abrams Universe Uhura, because she can, because she does so many amazing. Because she speaks like how many languages? And I remember watching this Undiscovered. Remember, I joke about this on the podcast. <laughs> you watch Undiscovered Country, and Uhura's like 63, and she doesn't speak Klingon. And I'm like, she's looking through a phone book, trying. I'm like, to... yeah, she's looking through a phone book, which <laughs> is, I get it. It's great for the movie. It's perfect for the movie. You know what I mean? It's like a scene for the movie. But I still Uhura. Uh oh, here. After how many like conflicts? Well, actually, in the original series, Uhura did know many languages. And true. Then Nomad erased her memory. Ooh. And after that, you do see her using dictionaries to learn Klingon in the movies. That was still like thirty years before Undiscovered Country. That's true. <laughs> I know that was a pretty good. Yeah, comeback. a huge comeback. Well, I mean, you know, she she was promoted a bit, right? So maybe she just wasn't doing that as much anymore. You lose it, you know, use it or lose it kind of thing. But I like the point about Hoshi, though. She invented the universal translator. She had to translate on the fly in front of brand new aliens that we had never come in contact with before. It's a pretty big one. I like that. Yes. That's true. She does. She does have a lot of uh, a stress on her shoulders. But what was it? Imposter syndrome. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, because she still accomplishes every time. Well, basically every time, right? Everybody stumbles in some episode. But yeah, she does move through that, and I think that in itself is kind of a relatable thing. We've all tried. I'm sorry. The introvert. Yeah, the introvert is the one that gets stuff done in this case. I mean, yeah, she didn't want to be in space. She wanted to be a teacher back on Earth, and Archer kind of forced her <laughs> into leaving. Um, she never wanted to be on the ship, remember? They had to change what side uh, her quarters were on because the stars were going the wrong way. Well, and it's another good point. It, you know, in, Br in Bryce's defense, we don't get a lot of interaction with him as a communications officer. No. A few times he hits a few buttons. But the thing about Hoshi is, again, she's very, very personable in the sense of that she's human. And my complaint about Michael Burnham from Discovery isn't that the actress isn't talented. It's that she's almost like too perfect. It's like everything is regiment. And I get what they're doing. It's because of the Vulcan background. So yeah. I compare that to Hoshi, who Hoshi makes a mistake and she like feels bad about the mistake. And I'm as like a person, if I make a mistake at work, I get it. You all of you could be like, Greg, it's fine. We got over it in 30 <laughs> seconds. But to me, I'm going to do what Hoshi does and kick my own butt for three days before I finally get over it. And I kind of. I kind of can relate with Hoshi. So, I mean, you're all turning me. It was Uhura. I so feel let's, bad now. Let's do a vote so we can we can move on then. So who says Uhura? Good number of people. Hoshi? Looks like a little more for Hoshi. Anyone for Bryce? Anyone have a good reason for Bryce? No? Okay. All right. So I think that's Hoshi. I think Hoshi won that I think one. Hoshi wins. Yeah. Okay. So we'll move on. So we have our ops, operations, officers, just three again. Of course, Data. Everyone knows Data. Poor Harry Kim, the only person in Starfleet never to be promoted. And uh, we have uh, Oesakun from Discovery. So who wants to give me, any, does anybody have any argument to be made for one of these characters out of the gate? Anybody at all? Yes. Uh, 
Kim was always taking on more responsibilities. He wanted that promotion. Yes. Right. That's true. Yeah, there's no, not really a lot of room for promotion. Though, though Tom was able to be demoted and re-promoted. Um. <laughs> Wait, you mean you mean Nick Lacarno, right? <laughs> right. True. That's a good point. Well, what I love is there's actually a lot of discussion in here already that's not just about data. I was worried. I was like, everybody's going to pick data because everybody loves Brent Spiner. And, every, and it's the obvious choice. It's the obvious choice. And everybody loves Commander Data. But there is something to be said that an Android doesn't have that until he gets, you know, the emotion down the road. I'm talking data in the show. Kim has a little bit more of that ability to interpolate people and a bit, an ability to kind of adjust to the situation. And he had that constant desire to grow. And you kind of got to see that. I'm, I'm actually going through a rewatch of Voyager because I admit when I watched it when I was younger, I don't think it's not that I didn't like it. I didn't understand it. And now that I'm rewatching it, it's fantastic. Hold on, Mike, because one and then there was somebody over here with their hand up. Well, that's true. In the, in the futures, Kim is usually promoted. He's a captain at one point, right? And I know he's actually spoken out about saying if they did another Star Trek series, he would love to be on it. He does, he does get promoted in the books. He does get promoted in the books. In Kirsten Byers' books. So, oh. um, she, she just played Magic. Okay, Alyssican's pretty cool. Um, and Discovery's mission for the first two seasons has been a little more intense, in my opinion, than the other shows. Like, I mean, Voyagers could have been if it had been written a little differently, you know, in the 90s. But uh, yeah, I mean, they've got a tough job. They're they're constantly being covert in some way. There's the whole Klingon war. Um, what what were you going to say? Okay. Yes. Which that's, a, that's fair. Just a slight variant. Slight. Whichever, whichever one gets promoted first. Uh, yes, back there. You, you actually bring up a good point because a, co a couple episodes ago on our podcast, we were talking about, we were actually talking about best of both worlds when, I'm assuming all of us have seen Next Generation because I'm about to drop major spoilers for a 30-year-old For, for 1993. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a, there's a scene when, when Riker is picking out his, next, his first officer, right? And he's going over data and he's talking about uh, Shelby and he's talking about Worf and he stops on Worf. And I remember talking to Derek, I'm like, why would he ever consider Worf? Worf's lieutenant, he's below on the chain of command. And Derek brought up a good point of they're in war and they're trying. He wants to maybe pick a more tactical type of first officer. And I had never thought about it like that. And a lot of you are saying things about Harry Kim that 
sometimes as an operations officer, you have to be able to improvise. And that's something, now that I'm rewatching Voyager, like Tuvok and Harry Kim, like every couple minutes on that bridge, they are doing something to try to help out their situation. And Data has that, obviously the programming knowledge, but so I'm, I'm, I'm swaying here. We had a couple I don't know. I mean, the, the D was the flagship. It had pretty, pretty. It, strong. I mean, Voyager was the the dinky little science vessel. Yeah, but ensigns you know? don't do well on the Enterprise D. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we we got to be honest. You're gonna fall, right. you're gonna fall through the floor at some point. There, yeah. All right, let's uh, let's. Well, that's that's the thing, right? Like, yeah, he can. But we'll talk. To, it was just ops, though, right? Just that one job. So let's do a vote. So who wants data? Oof. All right. Uh, Kim and Oosakun. Okay, well, at least she got like, more votes than Bryce. Uh, I, think, I, I think Data wins. Data wins that one, yeah. Okay, so just as a recap, so we've got Deanna Troy as our counselor, we've got Hoshi as our communications officer, and we now have Data as our operations officer. Right? I remember that right? You did remember that right. All right. So here is our specialist wildcard type officer. Uh, Quark is not on this list. <laughs> For good. <laughs> so our options, <laughs> right? Exactly. You sell the ship. Exactly. Uh, so our, our options are Guinan, Neelix, Seven of Nine, and Burnham. And the reason Michael Burnham is on this list, uh, I'm going to do my best not to spoil anything for anybody. But her role continuously changes on Discovery, and it's very difficult to put her in a specific job, a specific role. Uh, but she is the lead on the sh on the show. It's her show, right? So she's constantly in focus. But what she does changes quite a bit. In fact, most of the first season, she's not even an officer. So um, that's why this is where she is, because we thought she deserved to be somewhere. So, all right. So let's talk. We've already talked a bit about Guinan. Um, what about Neelix? Anybody want Neelix? Want a chef? Yes. Yeah, and, and the comment from the from our audience was that Neelix has that positive atmosphere. He brings that positive vibe, good communication. There's something you got to say. I, mean, I can say it again, having my rewatch of Voyager. He reacts to things, I think, more naturally, even as an actor. When like something's happening on a ship, he's like, "Remember the early on? He's like, I'm leaving. He's like, this ship is crazy, and <laughs> I'm out. And people like talk him into staying. But I'm like, that's that's kind of like what a normal person would do. Mm -hmm. It's like. So I, I kind of get it. So Neelix in this positive ad. He's always happy. He always finds a reason to be happy. One, so up here. One thing, I, one thing I want to add real quick is that we were talking about like well, Harry Kim likes to take on more responsibility. Neelix does too, right? He comes on board and of course he's a chef, but he wants to become the security officer. He becomes the morale officer. He's constantly looking for more responsibilities to contribute more. He starts his own podcast. He, start, he does. There we go. <laughs> All right. So who did you point out first? He's almost a counselor. I mean, that's as the morale morale officer for sure. He's definitely a very counselor role. And then we had, sorry, Eric. 
<laughs> I, I was going to call you Melisandre because of the red hair, but. Yeah, Neelix was an expert on that part of space. And when, you know, to your point, yeah, he does kind of, he stopped, they, they go beyond his experience, but he's always that guy who you could rely on to do everything he could for you. He may not be able to save the day, but he certainly would try his best. That's true. He did leave. That's a good point. He's not really one to, to stick with the full journey. There, there's something I'm going to say about Guinan, and I'm, I'm going to boil it down to... Okay, this is when people are probably going to boo. Uh, I'm going to boil it down to one sentence she has in Season 2 for why I love Guinan and think she deserves to be known as the sa one of the saviors of the Federation. It's the episode Q-Hugh when they're in, when they're first meeting with the Borg, when Q throws them in there, when throws them in the Delta Quadrant. It's at the very end of the episode when Guinan and Picard are talking and Guinan drops a line. She's like, yeah, it's going to be this, that, and the other. And she's like, now they know you're here. And Picard's like, oh, so they'll be coming. And then that one line leads into all of those episodes where they're talking about, even on DS9, how after that encounter, Starfleet started building up a start, like an actual battle fleet, the Defiant class, uh, the Akira mm -hmm. class, the Steamrunner class. All these ships were designed for one purpose, to fight the Borg. And it's all because they had that encounter, and I think Guinan reinforced that with Picard. Of, I'm, I could be boiling way more into that to a ten sentence. So a ten. Well, there's another good point about Guinan, though. I mean, Q is afraid of her. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. For all, but I mean, That's kind of a big deal. <laughs> you know, I mean, people, and the reason I mention that is people talk about Kirk saving the universe or Michael Burnham saving the universe. But Guinan legitimately says, they're, now they know you're here and they'll be coming. That's true. And I'm like, if she doesn't do that, I... Yeah. All right, so anybody for Seven or Michael? I want to I want to continue our conversation. Yeah. Two Vix. Seven has a pretty wide skill set. All the knowledge of the Borg type of that. Type of thing. All right, so we're running shorter on time. So anybody from Michael, I want to hear from somebody from Michael. General skill set for Michael. Any anything else for Michael? She's the Swiss Army knife. Okay, so let's let's take a vote. So who wants Guinan? Okay, Neelix. Okay, seven. Okay, and Michael. All right, so seven of seven nine, nine clearly nine. wins that one. All right, so we'll we'll move on. Well, All right. really, really quick, I know we got to move on, but there's a young girl in the audience. You picked Michael Burnham. Oh, I didn't see. I'm sorry. No, I just I just, <laughs> just want to. I, I do want to reflect on that. I have a three year old daughter at home, and I want to reflect that 
one of the youngest Star Trek fans in the audience picked Michael Burnham, and I think that's kind of important. Star Trek's always been about inclusion, and, and I get when people have legitimate complaints about maybe something that feels forced, but anytime we get new Star Trek fans into the world, that's doing, you're, y'all are doing something right, so thank you. All right, so now we have our Helms officer, and there are six of them. We've got, of course, Sulu, Wesley Crusher, Jadzia Dax, Tom Paris, Travis Mayweather, and Kayla Detmer. Um, it's a lot of people to talk through, so I want to hear from one person for each one of these. We don't. We don't. So who wants Sulu? Let's hear somebody from Sulu. Yes. Sulu knows how to use a sword. <laughs> Okay. All right. Fair enough. Uh, what? Without yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. What about Wesley? Anybody for Wesley? Yes. The guy in the Wesley hoodie. Too young for a driver's license, but piloting the Enterprise. What about Jadzia? Yes. She's got seven experiences of, of lifetimes under. That's let's, true. Let's face it. Whenever she's on the Defiant, they say engage with like evasive maneuvers. You actually see the Defiant spin. The other ships, they kind of just like... List lazily in. to the left? But yeah, list lazily <laughs> to the left or the right. So, yeah. What about Tom? Anybody for... Yes. Tom was unliked, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think Tom earned it too. He's most human character. He did. He did basically. I mean, with with Bellana's help, of course, design a shuttlecraft, which is pretty difficult. What about uh, what about Mayweather? Probably the least developed character in all of Star Trek. Yes. That's a good point. good point. He was the first at something, which the others are not. He was the first Warp 5 pilot. That's a pretty big deal. He, I mean, he must have been pretty good. Um, what, what about uh, Detmer on Disco? Yes. Her interpersonal relationships, I think, are a big part of her character, right? That she's she's a really strong character. I don't want to spoil anything, but part of you know her augmentation comes up in recent episodes. That is a pretty cool story arc as well. Um, so let's take a vote. Who wants Sulu? Yeah, he makes a mean holodeck program. Yes, Tom does. Yeah. All right. So to, uh, so uh, Sulu. Okay, Wesley. Okay, Jadzia. Okay, Tom. Okay, Mayweather and Kayla. Okay, so I think it was Tom. Let's see all the hands for Tom again. And then Jadzia, I think, was second. Oh, no, Jadzia wins. Jadzia wins. wins. Okay, glad we double-checked. All right, so Jadzia is our Helms officer. All right. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna blaze through this one because we're we're getting we're getting tight here. So we're gonna blaze through this. We have Chekhov, 
Chekhov, Worf, Tuvok, Odo, <laughs> um, Reed, Landry, Tyler, and Nan. Now, if you don't watch Discovery, those last three are going to be a little bit confusing for you. Nan is actually from the Enterprise um, and comes over with Pike on season two of Discovery. So let's just, I just want to do a straight vote here. And if it's really close, we'll, we'll debate those. So who wants Chekhov? Oh. Worf. Everybody. Tuvok. Okay, Odo. Okay, Reed. Okay, anybody from Discovery? <laughs> Greg, Greg? I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I love Commander Non. I just, yeah, Non's really cool. We've only we've only seen her in a few episodes, and realistically, to me, it's either Worf or Tuvok. But something about Commander Non is the few decisions we've seen we've seen her make. She has made for very specific, legitimate tactical reasons. Like when uh, a certain character. For those of you who've seen Discovery, this is not going to spoil anything for the all you, and I'm not going to spoil anything for those who haven't. When a certain character comes on board the ship, she's like following that character around. She's like, I don't know who you that's are. That's true. I don't trust you. Why are you on this ship? I don't want you on this ship. So in my brain, I'm like, that's kind of what a security chief would do. Yeah. And plus, she had a pretty, again, this is not a spoiler, but she had a pretty severe interaction recently. <laughs> and she still did the job that needed to be done. She's hardcore. And plus, like she's her. the first Barzan main, kind of main character we've ever had. And that's just first one in Starfleet, I guess, right? Because they're not even part of the Federation by TNG. Right. So, all right. So, Worf. You can, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Odo's yeah. the same way. You're right. And Odo saved an entire species. All right. Yeah, Worf, Worf definitely won that one. So, the thing, the thing about Worf, just go on YouTube and search reject, like Worf's rejections. Somebody. <laughs> Somebody put together like a 20-minute clip of all the times Picard told Worf no. And it's a lot of times. It is a lot of times. Follow that up with the Riker sitting video, and you're, you're, you're golden. Um, all right, so we have our chief engineer. There's six main ones to choose from here. I know Stamets is not the chief engineer, so we're not going to discuss that, but I wanted somebody we actually knew, and we don't actually really know the chief engineer on Discovery. So, all right. Um, who would want Scotty? Let's do a vote, and we'll... we'll Uhura? Oh, okay. Uh, Jordy. Okay. O'Brien. Poor O'Brien. Uh, Balana. That's my, that's my vote. Uh, we got Tucker, Trip. Oh, good number with Trip. Okay. And Stamets. Only two for Stamets. Okay. So, um, uh, yeah, I th well, I, I actually think it was um, kind of split yeah, a little bit. So let's, let's, let's see. Why Jordy? He's brilliant. I mean, they're all pretty brilliant. I mean, Balana does a ton of that, though. Yeah, but I mean, if that's who your engineer is, who would you want? Right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, some of my favorite scenes of Voyager are when her and Janeway get together to solve some type of problem, right? Blair, we haven't heard from you in a while. You're more Star Warsy, but you're also your first love was... You started as a Trekkie. Voyager's about survival. Mm -hmm. Right. 
Right, exactly. Whereas, like, Jordy's, you know, trying to just make different variances less a lot of the time, you know. Yes, Eric? Yes, he will. He'll drink. He'll, he'll drink with Klingons. <laughs> you and then Ray. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, he very much does. All right, last comment. We'll vote. Okay. Poor O'Brien. Yeah, O'Brien's had a rough go. Oh, the, the, oh, the criminal choice. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was rough. All right, so let's do, our, let's do a final vote here. So Scotty, Jordy, okay, O'Brien, Balana, okay, Trip, a couple of people, and Stamets. Okay. Who did you think that was? I think it was Jordy. It was either Jordy or Miles. All right, let's do those two. Jordy or Miles are your two choices. Jordy, O'Brien. Are y'all kidding me? This is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we get we'll, we'll take both of them and we'll just put O'Brien back in the transporter room. <laughs> that got a really like that got some booze or something. I was. <laughs> Fifteen minutes. Okay. By, by the way, there, there there's a web comic out there called O'Brien at Work. And it's literally him standing in the transporter room. Just it's like the first two it's panels really are blank, yeah. and then the third panel sometimes something happens, but most <laughs> of the, most of the time it's just blank. All right, CMO, our chief medical officer. Again, I know Colbert is not the CMO, but we also have not met the CMO on Discovery. So um, let's let's do our let's do what we've been doing here. So who wants McCoy Bones? Few people. Okay, Crusher. Fewer people. Bashir. About the same as Bones. Okay. The EMH. There we go. All right. Flocks. A couple of people there. And then Colber. Nobody for Colber? One for Colber. We got one for Colber. Two for Colber. Okay, cool. He's had a rough go of things, guys. In defense, we haven't gotten a lot of Colber medical episodes. No, not yet. Um, okay, well, the EMH won that one kind of by a landslide, which is where my vote would have gone as well. I love the doctor. Who, who picked Flocks? We got a couple of Floxes. Anybody want to just give... Zoidberg. Flocks? Flocks is Zoidberg. I can't I never noticed that before. Yeah, he is very he's more experimental. Um, I think that's what creeps me out. I don't know that I want to be treated with all those animals and insects and stuff that he's got in the lab. That's a good point. But the EMH does have that whole knowledge of the entire database, right? So, okay, so the EMH wins that one. That one was pretty easy. Things are getting tougher. For, for, those, of you, for those of you listening at home, you, you, you couldn't hear the collective groan. So, now look. Here's where things get complicated. Spock does, of course, become a captain later, becomes an ambassador later. Saru has not been the first officer the entire time, but the significant majority of it. Um, so, so yeah, so here we go. So we've got Spock, Riker, Kira, Chakotay, T'Pol, and Saru. So who says Spock? A good number of people. The normal, everyday Spock. 
Prime Spock. Riker. Not as many as I thought. Okay. Kira? Kira's pretty cool. Okay. Chakotay. Okay. Tapal. Couple for Tapal. And Saru. Saru gets my vote, by the way. So, okay. So, yeah, if you're not caught up in Discovery, you might change your mind when you learn more about Saru in Season 2. But, um... Yeah, so I guess Spock wins that Spock one by a landslide. I thought this would be a harder one, guys. I really did. Yes. Saru steps up. He is motivational. He is caring and kind and strong and has quickly become one of my favorite characters in Star Trek. If he's not captain in season three, I'm going to riot. Seriously. Like, Pike is great. Don't get me yeah. wrong, but... He does have... <laughs> and you know Epic what? facial hair for and, Riker. And he did shave it in Insurrection for Troy. I mean, that's kind Smooth of... Smooth as an android's bottom, yeah. eh, Data? <laughs> <laughs> Kira's, yeah. She was put in a pretty tough situation, right? Her, her planet's just now liberated. The station's really taken over by another foreign group. There's still at, you know, threats from the Cardassians. She's, she's had a tough go, too. The one thing I'll say about Kira, I love Kira. She got my vote. I think she's the one that's most ready to take over as like a full-time leader compared to the rest. I think Saru is a natural leader. Not Riker after like 12 years as first officer? <laughs> it's good. Well, he, aside from constantly turning down ship, anybody who's in the military, if you turn down like four officers of command, the Navy's going to like, they're, you're done. We're done spending money and time on you. But the thing I love about Kira is whenever she was in command, she never treated herself like the first officer. She basically said... I'm the representative of the Bajoran government. Yeah. Cisco's not here. You will talk to me or you will talk to nobody. And I, I was, I like that commanding presence. If you, if you catch up on Disco and you do not think Saru is a phenomenal character, you contact me. We'll have a talk. <laughs> All right. So here we go, guys. We got 10 minutes. Now, here's where things get really tough. A lot of people in here haven't watched Discovery and Anson Mount's, uh, portrayal of Captain Pike is really freaking fantastic. Um, I love it. What, what? 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 Where is Commander Peter Quincy Taggart? Taggart, 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 Thank you, Eric. You always keep us grounded, buddy. All right. So this is, this is going to be a tough one. I imagine we're not going to be split evenly on all eight of these, uh, but we've got Kirk, Picard, Cisco, Janeway, Archer, Georgiou, Lorca, and Pike uh, in order of appearance, not in order that they actually commanded, of course. Um, okay. So Kirk, and where this is all prime timeline stuff, I guess, you know, because of the pictures. Yeah, so we got Kirk. We got one for Kirk, too. Okay, there we go. Okay. I was surprised. I didn't know if he'd win, but. <laughs> all right, so we have a few for Kirk. Picard. So you're all going to be watching the new show then in the fall, right? You're all going to be CBS All Access subscribers? All right, just checking. Just checking. All right, Cisco. Dude goes off the rails during the war. Come on, guys. All right. That's what I'm calling about. Right? <laughs> Janeway. Janeway actually gets my vote. So. <laughs> That's hurtful. That's hurtful. Uh, Archer. Nobody? One? 
You know, one for Archer? First warp five captain? Okay. Georgiou. We got one for Georgiou. Maybe a second. Oh, there we go. It's, okay. Another one over here. All right. Lorca. We got one for Lorca. <laughs> Clearly, you haven't watched all of Discovery yet. I don't know. You, it's complicated. <laughs> all right. And then we have uh, Pike. Who really? Nobody? I would have given Pike my vote if I nobody was in a... You can vote to okay. So, so here, here's my thing. Okay. I would pick Picard if I want to live a long, safe, peaceful life. I would. Otherwise, I would. I would totally pick. Actually, believe it or not, I would either pick Janeway or Cisco in the middle of a crisis, mainly because I love Kirk in a crisis too. Well, and the uniform. But what I love about Cisco and Janeway is sometimes they know. Those of you who've ever worked in government before, like I do. Occasionally what happens is you get a whole bunch of government or military people around that are scared to make a decision. So instead of making a bad decision, they make no decision. It's like Cisco and Janeway are the opposite. They're like, look, we don't got time to screw around. Let's nuke the, the entire let's, atmosphere let's, of a planet to get one guy. Let's, let's, let's <laughs> nuke the atmosphere or Jane, Captain, if we cross this. Yeah. It's like, you know, Tuvok telling Janeway, look, if we cross their territory, they could get mad. And she's like, well, we got to get home. You know, if I if I navigate around every nebula, I think she made that quote, we'll never get home. Well, so here's here's my take. This is what I always tell people. I want to grow up to be Picard, but I want to serve under Janeway. That's how I describe it to people. I want her to be my captain, but I want to be Picard. Anybody else have a thought they would like to share? Yes, Zoidberg? Cisco is the only one smart enough to punch Q. Cisco is the only one smart enough to punch Q. That's true. It's true. You did. It's a good point. In the back. He is the emissary. He's the emissary. I, I think I saw some hands back here, though. Did I? Did somebody? No? I thought I did. Yeah, that's a good point. But don't you think, though, if Picard wasn't on the flagship starship and was thrown halfway across the galaxy, that maybe he would have compromised a bit, too? Well, he, he does in the movies. He does, he does in the movies a little bit. Cowboy diplomacy. That's fair. All right. Well, look, guys, the voting was pretty slanted towards Picard. There's no question about it. And we only we only have five minutes left. Yeah. So we're um, so that's that's it. So okay. So I guess we should recap. So we had Deanna Troy as our counselor, Hoshi as our communications officer, Ops was Data. data? Okay. Data. Thank you for those paying attention at home. Um, our specialist was seven nine. Seven nine. Anyone remember? It was Jedzia. It was Jedzia. We had Worf for our security officer. Our engineer. It was LaForge. It was LaForge, and we put we put O'Brien back in the transporter room. We had the uh, Doctor EMH as our CMO. 
Our first officer was Spock. And we're going with Picard as our captain. This now we have what, what way in the back here? Yes. I think they'd have some great conversations. I think Picard and Spock would have some great conversations. Just watch, just watch the episode Sarek, and you know I think that's all you really need to know. This would be a very entertaining television show. I think if we could I, get I all agree. this. Now we only got like three minutes left, but does any like? Wild card character, Derek, for you. Just pick any of your characters that you would like to include among this cat, like the Barclays of the group. Or, uh, no, I'd have Guinan on the ship. There's no question. Garrick? 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 Garrick and Quark? Garrick and Quark? Guinan. Anyone who Q's afraid of, I want on my ship. So, in the way back. Riker is chef. Too soon. Too soon. Yes, sir. Emperor Giorgio? Emperor Giorgio. I'm good. I'm good with that. So, well, you got to watch Disco. Yeah. You got to watch Disco, guys. Yes, you. Oh. <laughs> we lost the thought. Okay, it's all good. Killy? Oh, Ooh, Killy. Captain Killy. Mirror Universe. All right. So, thank you all so much for joining us. We are Red Shirts and Runabouts, part of the Heroes Podcast Network. Greg, you can find him online at the underscore bitter steel. And I am the Star Trek dude online as well. Um, if you'd like to follow us or our show, come up. I've got business cards. Um, he's also in the cosplay area with the 501st, and I'm in uh, booth C78 with Siren Ray. If you want to come by and say hi to any of us, please do. We have a Star Wars panel this evening at 6.30 to talk about Episode Nine theories for the new film. So please come by and see that if you would like to. Thank you again, everybody. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you all. Okay. Well, I hope you enjoyed that and you were able to uh, hear everything you wanted to hear. If you liked our ultimate crew, didn't like our ultimate crew, you know, let us know. We love talking to you. You can find us at Red Shirts Pod on Twitter. You can hit us up at Heroes Podcasts on Facebook, heroespodcast.com, whatever works for you. Greg and I are out there for you to talk to. So thanks for joining us and we'll catch you next week for our Star Trek Discovery double feature review episode. Red Shirts and Runabouts is part of the Heroes Podcast Network and is hosted by Gregory Bosco and me, Derek Mayer. The music is by Flying Killer Robots. Please follow us at Red Shirts Pod on Twitter or at Heroes Podcasts on Facebook, Instagram, or HeroesPodcast.com. You can subscribe to our show on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spreaker, and pretty much any other podcast app. If you enjoy the show, please support us. We have a Patreon at Patreon.com slash Heroes Podcasts, and we also have a coffee ko-fi.com slash heroes podcast. We'll catch you next time. Live long and prosper.